Welcome to Treasure Time Podcast, which is all about growing up happy. You're here with podcast hosts Sophia Giblin and Nicole McDonald, the founders of Treasure Time. And they're here to offer advice on building your children's resilience during difficult times. Make sure to tune in every Tuesday and Thursday for bite-sized, playful tips and activities that can easily be implemented straight away to help support your family's mental and emotional health and well-being. So, hey, it's Sophia and Nicole. Welcome to the Treasure Time podcast, Growing Up Happy. Today we have a very special guest. We're so happy to introduce the wonderful Nikki Wilson. Nikki is a mindfulness coach and founder of the social business 10 of Zen. 10 of Zen provides mindfulness training to mums so that they can stress less and love more. Hi, Nikki. So nice to see you. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, Nikki, we're so happy to have you here. Um, there are some really beautiful links between Treasure Time Play and Mindfulness for Mums. Um, but both of them ask you to kind of tune into the moment and be present. So can you tell us, Nikki, a little bit about your journey to start up Ten of Zen and what actually is mindfulness? Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Um, of course I can. Um, it would be a pleasure. So I'll answer the second question first, if that's okay. So generally speaking, most mindfulness teachers will give a similar interpretation, but the way I like to describe mindfulness is that mindfulness is the art or the practice of becoming more aware of our present moment experience and learning to welcome what we find with a kind and open heart. And that second part is really such a fundamental part of the practice, um, in my humble opinion. Um, and, you know, it can be split in two ways. Either it can be the, the actual seated meditation um, practice or, or and or um, integrating mindfulness activities into your everyday life. Ideally, both. And you'll certainly find it easier to integrate into your life if you're doing the sitting down stuff as well. So in terms of my journey, oh, in a nutshell, it's a hard one. <laughs> um, I do like to take people all the way back, you know, a, a small number of 36 years because it is relevant to the journey. But um, in summary, I come from a long line of anxious souls. Um, so that's the kind of the, the nature part of things. And then from a nurture perspective, um, I grew up in a home where there was a lot of difficulty. My parents were, were in a very unhappy marriage. We lost my brother when he was just four. Um, so there was a lot of turmoil in my um, early years and, and throughout my teens. And I basically developed this kind of relationship with stress, which I was kind of familiar with, although at that stage didn't really know what stress was. And um, I kind of developed this almost kind of addiction to doing what some writers on stress call this kind of challenger response. So I was always the first to put my hand up, was always a joiner in it, kind of quickly fell into that overachiever kind of category. So in many ways, my relationship with stress um, and trauma actually didn't hold me back in so much as, you know, I, I never fell apart into 55 million pieces. And age 28 became the the kind of young CEO of, of an organization called Wings for Life, grew that into a very successful 
successful charity. Um, And then I became a mum. And like so many of us, something crazy happens where your like past world and your present world just collide. It's like some cataclysmic collision, at least for some of us anyway. Um, And I had a very difficult birth experience like so many people do. And in that um, process, had a, had a moment or a few hours where I definitely thought it was my time to tap out. So to pass away and to, to leave my very new family. Um, and what that triggered in me was, um, though I didn't know at the time, was postnatal PTSD. So basically, I went from, you know, that kind of young, capable, in inverted commas, whatever that means, CEO, to um, not being able to leave my own bedroom without having a panic attack. In fact, not even being able to look out the window um, because everything was was too stimulating and I was, everything was highly kind of oversensitized. So... um, Basically, I would say my life hit an all-time low and I definitely, you know, those two missions around stressing less and loving more are really born for me out of that stage of my life where my stress response was off the roof. I've never experienced anything like it. And my kind of love stuff, as I talk about it, was, was totally rock bottom. So in the process of putting my life back together, I lent on lots of different tools um, and I often talk about makeup, medication, meditation as being the three things I lent on especially hard, especially in my return to work um, a number of months later. And basically the, the meditation out of everything that I've sat with over the last six years, the meditation has stuck as a habit because it is and continues to be one of the most reliable things in my wellness toolkit that helps me to essentially often talk about kind of just shifting gears, take take my, my mind and often my body from fifth, at least down into third, occasionally to second, pretty much never into first. I'm not sure I can do first. Um, but really, that's, that's really where it came about. So I started taking this regular 10 minutes um, of mindfulness. Um, my son and my husband started saying, oh, mum, mummy's gone for that 10 of Zen again. And then a couple of years ago, I thought, you know what? I love this stuff so much that I want to found this as a business and start sharing t- 10 of Zen with others. So um, that's how I've got to where I am today. Thank you, Nikki. Gosh, what an incredible journey you've had. And, you know, I think we really speak the same language when we're talking about trauma and, you know, coming out the other end of it as an adult, if you've got unprocessed stuff, how, well, how also you can turn something really difficult into something so positive for other people. I really relate to your story. Um, something that I think is really fascinating and, you know, like I've become a little bit obsessed with the finding out what it is in childhood that makes a real difference. What is it that makes children grow up healthy and happy? And what I kept coming back to was this parent-child relationship um, and the security of attachment between parents and children that, that has such positive outcomes later in life. But what I thought was like super fascinating when I was doing my master's research um, was that Parenting mindfulness can break that that transmission of trauma and insecure attachments. Mm-hmm. Um, so the studies show that parents who practice mindfulness and presence can give give their children that sense of security, which impact down the generations, which is so incredible. You know, if mm-hmm. we think about an intervention that's really early, an early intervention, and 
will make a difference. Mindfulness is is exactly that. Um, but we talked on this podcast before about kind of parenting from your own parenting blueprint and doing things automatically. We don't even know where it's coming from sometimes. And, you know, we might hear our own parents' words coming out of our mouths. Um, <laughs> and, you know, that tends to be the default, but it's entirely possible to change that when we reflect and become aware of our behavior. So what I think is amazing about that is even if you've had a rocky start yourself, you don't have to give that experience to your children. Mm. But I'd be really interested to know, have you found that practicing mindfulness has changed your relationships at home? Mm, really interesting. Yeah, thank you. Um, I probably feel like I need to pay dues to my mum at this point. And I would say that I basically, you know, strongly believe that the reason that I've I've never totally lost my uh I don't know what a polite way of saying that would be, but you know what I mean, uh, is because she uh, was and continues to be an incredibly natural parent. And, you know, she she was such a strong source of, um, of, of security for me growing up. So I have to say that that helps in terms of how I feel in my kind of comfort zone with parenting. Um, really interesting in terms of those relationships at home. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is the banter, actually, the banter that my husband gives me around um, <laughs> around all things mindfulness because he is by no means a Zen geek. But um, in terms of our relationship, although he, I've never actually said this to him, um, what it prompted in me there was really realizing that often I'm not really listening to what he's saying and, you know, understanding that um, the more you show interest and deep listening in your partner, the more that they will do the same to you. And I've made a very deliberate shift in in our conversations to, to realize, oh, Nikki, you're, in, you're doing that thing where you're still thinking about something else and try and draw myself back in and ask him really meaningful questions. Um, so it's really helped me that way. Um, and then with the kids, I mean, so many different things. I would say it's helped me to recognize in similar way to my husband, and there's a theme here, when my mind is very distracted and to note that and to actively try and, and shift it where I can. Um, it's definitely helped me to sit with the more challenging emotions, that tough stuff, you know, the natural emotions that come up, be it tiredness, be it anger, be it that that sense of letting go and needing to to live with change um and then one of my favorite things actually is what I often call this this idea of banking the best bits so when I'm in a more mindful state with my kids I feel able to hone in on the smaller details and notice the small things that that um that matter the most, you know, little things like the colour of their eyebrows and the, the little hairs above the top of their lips or the different shades of, of colour in their hair or whatever that might be. But those little things are the things I try and actively notice as much as I can. That's so lovely. Actually, that's something we talk about in Treasure Time and, you know, sort of that, that really noticing and then reflecting it back to them as well. Mm. Really lets children feel like I am seen Yes. Um, which yeah. is so lovely. Thank yeah. you for yeah. sharing that. Yeah, no, thank you so much, Nikki. It's, um, there's so much of what you've said has, has really resonated with me. Definitely that, you know, operating at that gear five <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> meditation, 
bringing me back down to probably a three or a two. I'm, I'm very similar to you. I don't think I operate or can operate, not yet anyway, in, in breast care. But um, in, I actually started doing the treasure time course and everything Sophia taught me before I got into the meditation, which is really interesting because it was when I was able to be present with my boys, Callum and Harrison in those play sessions during those treasure time play sessions that I recognized that I didn't ever give myself time to just be. And there was a few moments where I, um, I dropped them off at school and I sat on my sofa in, in the lounge and I thought, gosh, we've been in this house for a few years and I don't recall a time I've sat on this sofa during the day ever. <laughs> and and, and pa- actually paused and, 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 and had any time for reflection because I'm just operating on 100. So um, I definitely struggled to kind of sit on my hands and I was in the habit of, you know, long lists, achieving lots, doing, etc. And so that transition to treasure time play at first, I, I found it really hard to sit on my hands and, and just observe. Um, and then I, I started, I, I built into med, 10 minutes meditation a day. And I'm now actually on just over 220 days straight doing it every day. And it is my, it's exactly what you were saying there, Nikki. It is the one thing that seems to be perfect in the toolkit that gives me, it just resets me and something just works. Uh, I don't really understand enough about the science behind why it works, but it does really work for me. And and the the bit that you said that really really put a sparkle in my eye was that noticing all those little things about your kids. And I said to Sophia that treasure time and meditation for me as a combo, I I feel like I've I almost missed their early years to be honest. And I really see them now for yeah. them, yeah. not just for these two boys that live in my life but I now see who Callum and Harrison are and I'm not trying to change or control what I see I'm trying to enjoy that relationship and make the most out of that relationship and that's definitely a a gear shift Mm. um, that I don't think without treasure time and meditation I would have been been able to have have um, achieved so it, it has been a journey and um, what advice would you, you know, that very specific to, to, to my experience there, but look, looking at everything you've gone through in your journey, what advice would you give to parents about practically fitting this time into say yeah. the, the working day, you know, the reality yeah. when they're juggling so many different priorities? Because yeah. it's certainly taken me a long quite a long time to make it work for me and do do you have any specific advice that would help because we do get a lot of I'm already I'm already so frazzled I can't fit another thing in what do you mean stop you know and it's how do you how do you tap into that and yeah really good question and you hear that a lot around you know it just it's another thing to do and obviously the likes of Headspace and others will say something like, I know one of the pop-ups I had on there once was something along the lines of rather than thinking of it as something else to do, consider it as the one time of day where you don't have to do anything at all. 
Um, although I have Brilliant. to say that the, the way I relate to it more is that it is something I have to do. It is, it's, it's that kind of thing for me. Lot, I could talk for hours on that topic, but there's a few little nuggets I would say is, first of all, we all fall into quite clear categories around how we as personalities will relate to habits. So it sounds to me, Nicole, I know I'm an, what um, there's an author called Gretchen Rubin would call an, an upholder. And I think you're probably the same, Nicole. Um, but that's one of four types. Okay. There are, there are many others in there too. So I think it's questioner, rebel. I can't remember what the other one is. It's, I'm a rebel. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, so like, it's so rebel is like, identify straight away. Yeah. Yeah. I did the quiz. Yeah. You did the quiz. Okay. So she yeah, told yeah. me I'm going to do it. I'm not going to bloody do it. That, that kind of rebel. Uh, <laughs> you know, you're less likely to do something the more someone tells you to yes. do it. And, and I think it's so important that we open up to that knowledge about ourselves because it's very easy for us to fall quickly into that comparison trap around this work to think, oh, but, you know, Nicole has done 220 days and I can't do one. Oh, Lordy, me, you know. So understand a little bit more about how you relate to your habits and start with a really, really, really realistic goal. My best advice to parents is um, a catch it when you can philosophy. Most of us don't have a life which affords um, uh, the ability to perhaps, I know I've, tr I've actually tried this, you know, setting the alarm, getting up extra early to try and fit that in. That doesn't work for me. Sleep is actually more important than meditation in that, in that rank. Yeah, same. Are important. So, totally agree. Yeah. So look for your window. I take my 10 of Zen in the car before I you know, if, if, if ever I arrive early for school pickup or picking up from the childminder, I'll take it in between meetings if there's a little slot. I used to always take it on my commute when I was going into London. Um, and I will look for the first free window. So interesting on a Monday like today, it nearly always falls at the beginning of my work day because I'm in, I'm, you know, week one of the week. By the end of the week, I'm literally like, oh, you know, it's Friday afternoon. I still haven't taken it. Sometimes I'll sit down on my cushion in the middle of the lounge with the kids around me because it's more important that they see me doing it and that it gets done than it is me waiting for that tranquil moment where all everything is in place. Okay, so that's always my best advice to people. Uh, then, so it's so true that good enough moment yeah, yes, doesn't have yes, to be perfect. Yes, it doesn't have to be perfect. It's really fascinating actually, just as an experiment, just sitting on the floor in the middle of your kids. Uh, they do start ignoring you after a little while if after they've climbed on top of your head. <laughs> and the um, but the other thing, which is science-based, okay? So this is from the work of um, a, a behavioral scientist called BJ Fogg, and he talks about this idea of starting stupid small. So the only way to create lasting change in healthy habits is to start really, really small. So I'm talking about rather than saying, I'm going to meditate every day for the next 220 days, start with setting an intention to take three deep breaths when you wake up in the morning. So ideally piggybacking something. So maybe it's, I'm going to, my commitment is going to be to savour the flavour of my cup of coffee every day. My commitment is going to be to walk a bit more slowly between the moment where I get off the train and into my office. So start with small realistic habits that piggyback, piggyback on something that you're already doing. That is 
the best quickfire way to put a marker in the ground around a behavioural habit. Um, and then that's when you, excellent, Nikita. Yeah. That that's sort of how it how it definitely happened for for me because it's yeah. taken me. It took me probably you know a good a good twelve months before it. Yeah became a habit and it was I'm going to try doing it when I brush my teeth no it's not happening in the morning I'm going to try doing it for me it ended up being when I dropped the kids at school and I could drive home it's a 10 minute drive it's not perfect to do it when you're driving but actually it was better than not doing it at all and then eventually I found a space where it was helping me enough to carve out the time but it took you know, it was it was yeah. not an overnight thing. These no. habits just, yeah, it's a long journey. The, right? That's the science, Nicole. And also, you know, to drop a bombshell, you're going to fall off the Zen train, love. It's going to happen. Yeah, 220 <laughs> days. That app is going to, I don't know what it'll do to you when you fall off, but um, we all do. Do you um, think I'll be stressing <laughs> about it? That's sort of my uh, <laughs> just the irony. Guess. Yes, you will be. You will be. That's, I guess, sometimes the things that I don't like about the apps is they've, they've, they've made it a very kind of westernized, individualized kind of style. Yeah. And, you know, that holding you to account on the number of days, it's kind of, it works because they're trying to tap into to that sense of, of um, accountability to an app. But yeah. ultimately, you know, we need to talk about the, the fact that it's, it's hard. It is hard to maintain be- that kind of habit. I'll be phoning you when I fall off the wagon. That's what I like to do is help people back on the Zen train. (laughs) The Zen train, that's brilliant. (laughs) Absolutely love it. So we touched a little bit there on the science of meditation and mindfulness, but what does, um, you know, what is the science? Does meditation actually change the brain in any way? Yes, I think the best way to... this. There's a couple of important things. First of all, we have to be very cautious of what I call Zen wash. So it's very, everyone loves a headline about how, you know, it's, you know, it's transformed the, the neurology of their brain and so on. There is no getting away from the fact that the more hours you sit and meditate, the greater the change within your brain. And we know that now from science. So the monks and the yogis, the people living a spiritual way of life, will have fundamentally changed the structures in their brain in a way that someone that taps into, let's even say my Zen squad, like once a week, that brain change won't necessarily have occurred yet. So, um, however, what we know is there's a number of processes that occur both in the brain and throughout the body. So the best way is to just do an actual little demo. So let's start with A, which is awareness. And what I'd like you to do, just as you're listening, is to just make your awareness kind of wide and receptive. And I'd like you to just do a 180 with your head, okay? And what you're trying to do is just notice this room or this space around you. And in particular, it's always really helpful to look for the light and the shade. So look for spaces where you perhaps see some shadows being cast or the light falling in an interesting way. So what happens when we purposefully direct our attention in this way is what we're doing is we're shifting ourselves out of our limbic brain where your amygdala sits, yeah, the fear center. And you're moving yourself more into your prefrontal cortex, the space which is essentially like the conductor 
for our brains. It's the clever bit, it's the wise bit, it's the rational bit. It really is the reason or one of the reasons from the kind of neurological perspective that you feel that gear shift, Nicole, because you've taken yourself out of the stress center and into your frontal brain. Okay. So the next thing to do is to take a really good couple of purposeful breaths for me. And if you can, see if you can make your out breath long and smooth and try and just breathe out for a bit longer than you breathe in, almost until you can feel those tummy muscles contract. And what's happening as we take a few of those purposeful breaths, and this time we're talking more about the nervous system. So when we regulate our breathing, and especially when we deliberately elongate that out breath, we're tapping into our parasympathetic nervous system. So that's opposite to the stress center and the sympathetic nervous system. It's where your rest and digest system sits and your vagus nerve that runs from the base of the head down to the down through the spine into the diaphragm. Basically, as you slow your breath, you are sending messages, particularly to your heart, to slow down. So that's one of the reasons that you get a greater sense of calm often. And then the last thing, because you know I love the love stuff, so just rub your hands together for a moment, create a bit of warmth in the hands, and then just place one hand or two over that heart center. And all I want you to do just for a note for a moment is just to notice and feel that connection between the hand and the heart. Just feel one or two rise and falls of the chest. And then if it's not too weird, you can almost just add a tiny bit of soothing touch. You can just kind of move your hand around the heart center a little. So this part of um, mindfulness meditation, and at least the way that I teach it, this is about your caregiving system, the innate system that lives in all of us that we're born with, that responds to soothing tones, to touch. And... um, quite helpfully, our brains and bodies are not really clever enough to know that much of a difference between you placing a hand on your heart like that and somebody else doing it. So it's a really gentle way of just tapping into your caregiving system and that sense of kind of nurture that lives within. And just to inject a little bit of that kindness back into you because more often than not especially when you're engaging in this type of you know proactive conscious parenting you're giving and you're giving and you're giving and it's as if not more important that you're offering something back to yourself as well so there you go that's a bit on the sciencey stuff that was absolutely lovely thank you so much really enjoyed that that was really great me too me too <laughs> um nikki these are oh well such important skills for us all to learn I actually feel really good after that <laughs> good. um I do I feel really really calm and really, really content um and it's amazing to just know how it actually changes the brain like that's that's incredible 
Um, and I love the way you've explained how, because that is the biggest difference, I think, um, becoming a parent, the amount of, you know, give, 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 give. Um, and it is really common for parents to, to forget about nurturing themselves. Um, so that's, that's a really fantastic, quick little activity that we can all fit in. I, I really hope lots of our listeners will try that and pepper it throughout their week and, and see how it, it benefits them. Do you have any um, other like activities like that, that that we've just done that could that we could do with our children to help mm. them and teach them sort of ma- mindfulness skills yes. really young so that it becomes they're not learning it in their 40s like me but it's part <laughs> of their lives um I always like to be really honest about this in terms of how I have chosen to integrate it with my kids so I don't really do anything deliberate in this space um first and foremost because us modeling it to them is the single most important thing in terms of them knowing it's something that mummy does it's kind of sitting down the way I tend to include this um is in some ways it's more selfish so for example let's say I know that for some reason when I'm driving from Thomas's school to Matty's childminder I can feel the anxiety start to rise in me not sure what that's about I haven't gone there yet (laughs) Um, but it's pretty reliable so what I do as a as a kind of mindful grounding technique is on that drive I will start looking purposefully looking out the windows of the car and noting things to Thomas such as Thomas have you noticed that that building up there has got black bits on the roof or can you look at all of the different types of colours in the trees as we go past? Isn't that really interesting? And what it allows me to do is to A, spark a conversation and it allows me to ground myself in the moment and bring him with me too. Um, so I do that. And then on the occasions where I do try to be a bit more proactive and deliberate about it, I simply just sew it in to whenever we are out and about. So even if I'm not feeling anxious, often... If you know your mind is often wandering, it can be really helpful just to pick out different things. And remember these three things, see, hear, and feel. So what can you see? What what exactly is catching your eye and the space around you? Is it the light? Is it the trees? Um, Is it the snail that's down there on the bottom? Um, what can you hear kids are amazing at this Um, and I actually did this as a little thing with with the kids a few days ago and it will make you laugh because as we're in the midst of of COVID-19 I went out the back gate and said oh Matty what can you hear he said oh man I can hear man coughing I was like oh god really oh I know I know seriously it's like a practical joke I was like that's not going to make me feel more mindful Um, so see hear and feel so that's you know touch what can you feel you know what does Sam feel like between your toes what does it feel like to be on a cozy sofa what does that you know what does that ground feel like so see hear and feel always a really really good thing just to keep at the back of your mind um and really just to sew it in but first and foremost perhaps more than anything I've said so far, your children are your best mindfulness teachers because as children, they're so, they're, they are within every moment by and large. Um, so letting them lead you in your practice is 
is beautiful and is so, so effective. And allowing yourself permission to enter into those conversations when they do say, oh, mummy, wow, there's an ant inside the house or wow, mummy, look, there's a bird up on that tree or whatever that is. So that's it. That's awesome. Thank you. And, you know, that's so in line with the treasure time principles. We're always saying, let your child be your play teacher. So now we let, let our children be our mindfulness teachers yes. too. We can learn so much from them. Yes. Every day is a school day. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. <laughs> Nikki, thank you so much for coming on the treasure time podcast. This has been fascinating and really, really helpful. Um, I think there's so much that everybody can learn from being still, as you said. Um, and, you know, I think your tips and advice would be really helpful for all the parents out there listening to this podcast. So thank you very much. Um, now, everybody listening can actually hear more from Nikki inside the Treasure Time course. She actually runs a meditation for us in one of the modules. You can also go to her website, tenofzen.com, to access free meditations and check out the monthly mindfulness membership for mums, which is the Zen Squad. Is that right, Nikki? That's right. Yes. Yep. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Nikki. It's been an absolute pleasure and a brilliant finale to what is our last episode of the Treasure Time podcast in season one. So thank you for being a super guest and teaching us so much. We've had a blast creating all these episodes for you listeners and exploring what the children need together to grow up healthy and happy. And it, it really is... Um, it's as simple as our presence and and being with them and and letting them lead in the family and and enjoying all the little wonders that are of our little explorers. They're just they're um it might be very difficult times right now, but the times that I'm certainly happiest at the moment is getting into the zone of the kids and going on those journeys that you've just described, Nikki, it's where we've, you know, we've sat in the garden and looked at the sky and listened to the birds. And I don't know if anybody else has noticed, but you can really hear the bird song at the moment. It's, it's, uh, it's beautiful. So I hope everyone has a really good time taking on board all this great advice we've had today. Thanks, Nikki. Thank you so much for having me, ladies. It's been a total pleasure and I love meeting kind of kindred spirits that just kind of get this stuff. So yeah, thank you so much. Thanks, Nikki. Now, this is a really incredible time for myself and Nicole as we launch Treasure Time out into the world. This has been a 10-year journey for me of self-discovery, study and learning and practicing what works when it comes to using play to help children to grow up happy. And Treasure Time started off as an idea around Nicole's kitchen table as I helped her with her boys. And then it became a primary research master's study of mine for, for my play therapy studies. Two years of learning and evaluating before being born into the innovative digital course that it is today. Wow, that gives me tingles hearing that. <laughs> we know that Treasure Time has the potential to change countless lives over the globe using the power of play. So as a real welcome into our Treasure Time family, we'd love to invite all of our lovely listeners to join our Facebook community where you get live weekly Q&As with Sophia, 
There have probably been a number of questions that have come up for you over the course of the podcast as you've maybe thought about your own family, yourself, your situation. And now you get the opportunity to ask the expert, as it were, our play expert, Sophia, in our closed online community. So a really nice safe space of kindred spirits, as Nikki said. So to join, you just need to go on the treasuretime.co.uk forward slash resources and click the link to join. And I really look forward to seeing you all inside the inside the group and answering your questions and also sharing lots of tips and ideas and play opportunities, a real nice place to support each other. And Nicole and I can't wait to help more parents and children treasure their time together through child-led play. So make sure you help over to the website, as Nicole said, find the link to join and we look forward to seeing you there. Thank you so much for joining us in this podcast series, Treasure Time's very first. It's by no means the last of the Treasure Time podcast, we hope. We'll be back with you, more content coming soon. So do hop over to iTunes or Spotify and click to subscribe so that you'll be notified when we're back. And in the meantime, take really good care of you and yours. Thank you. Bye from us. See you next series. Bye. This episode was produced by a podcast company. If you're thinking about making a podcast and changing lives just like the show you just heard, then make sure to drop me an email, jason at apodcastcompany.com. And let's see if we can help you like we've helped Treasure Time. Treasure Time.